everyone has a story. How they got here, where they met along the way, the choices they made, the dreams they are chasing. Welcome to Anthologies of Hope. Good evening, everyone, and thank you for joining us for another episode of Conversations Cafe. I am your host, Carl Evans, Senior Director of Operations at Hope for the Day, and we have a great episode uh, ready for you to rock and roll tonight. We're going to be talking about Team Thrive and Breathe for Hope, uh, two great programs under the Hope for the Day umbrella uh, in the outreach and education experiences that we offer. And this week is, like every other week, part of the continuing conversations that we have on mental health. Uh, if you've been listening or recently joining us, uh, the past two weeks we've been focusing especially in the direct responses to uh, the uprisings that were catalyzed by George Floyd's murder and focusing a lot specifically on the Black Lives Matter sort of shaping of the conversation around mental health, uh, the two episodes being where do we go from here and what does better look like? And those are not isolated conversations. If you go back again through the sort of history of Conversations Cafe, we talk about intersectionality and mental health consistently and all of its sort of different spectrums and, and nuances within that. And in continuing the conversations, one of our guests last week, Traz Pugh, had a great comment when he was talking about what we've been seeing in response to uh, the death of Mr. Floyd in that he was sort of talking about current protests and, and activism shaping around confronting systemic racism uh, and he described that there's that there's there are moments and then there are movements and um, what we had been seeing both nationally are really the largest civil rights sort of linked protests or race uh, racial and social justice linked protests in American history have really been fomenting since May 25th and ongoing and around the world. And why I bring that up now is because one of the things that's really important is understanding that even if organizations like over the day has been ongoing talking about trying to keep visibility on the fact that when we talk about things like mental health and suicide prevention, we have to make sure we're creating space to talk about the different nuances and how uh, respecting the dignity of the individual that it impacts individuals in different ways and different, uh, different sorts of approaches. And we need to shed light on that understanding and, and where we were talking directly connected to things like Black Lives Matter, where that intersection obviously is within the Black experience in America and how that connects to mental health is pretty automatic because systemic racism has its own variants of ongoing tra trauma. But today we're focusing on two programs that hopefully today uh, helps produce with the assistance and volunteer support of three amazing human beings. And why we're sort of moving into that is because as the conversation goes on, we want to talk not just about the situation, but last week we talked about what does better look like. We're always focused on how do we push forward? How do we find solutions? How do we better ourselves? And the two projects that are uh, we're touching on tonight, if you listened especially to where do we, uh, what does better look like last week, we sort of ended that really robust conversation with talking about the importance and essentialness of this being an opportunity to open up discussions about self-care and mental health 
and we were obviously talking about within uh, within African American communities specifically um, because when we talk about being proactive on suicide prevention, this is a conversation about starting engagement on our mental health at the earliest signs of challenges and early intervention and, and trying to disrupt uh, the highest risk factors for suicide, escalation, untreated and undertreated mental health challenges. And where we were talking specifically in that intersection, we're sort of broadening it back out to the general community in terms of the fact that mental health care and the tools that are out there aren't just therapy, talk therapies and clinical supports. Um, it could be supports of our friends, but one of the most powerful tools we have to disrupt escalation is in the form of self-care and it's in the practices we do sort of physically to take care of our own body. There's a sort of calling operating action inside of Team Thrive, which we're going to be talking with uh, our team leader and program leader on that Sarah Moss later tonight. Um, in which we're talking about healthy body, healthy mind, that there is a very powerful correlation between being able to do things that you choose to do of your own agency, sort of take care of your physical well-being to make that connection with mental health. Because a big part and one of the biggest obstacles that we always identify when talking about mental health is the fact that stigma is oftentimes the most, uh, the biggest obstacle to effective mental health care. Because stigma is what keeps us silent. Stigma is oftentimes what hinders early identification because somebody can know something's wrong, but they won't reach out for support because they fear shame or judgment or have never been given the conversation or tools how to start that conversation for themselves because stigma has kept us silent as individuals. It keeps us silent as a community to not educate on how to talk about mental health or recognize signs and symptoms. And it can even impact, impact us institutionally. So where we're sort of going tonight is really bringing out some tools that are a part of the idea around self-care and trying to celebrate this idea that when we talk about mental health and why I keep bringing up the stigma part of this is that sometimes we think of physical health as one thing and our mental health is this whole, whole separate world. That's a part of what stigma does. It makes us separate, but our physical well-being and mental health are actually part of the same whole continuum thing. And you'll see this all the time in sort of public conversations where like, there's a talk about your body and, and blood pressure and taking care of your bones and muscles and, and doing all these kind of things. And those are very visible conversations. But then when it comes to mental health, it's put in this box that's only for clinicians or it's dismissively used as like a holistic thing. Like, um, you're talking about essential oils and and and, and incense and, and things like that, but you know for like what is dismissively called holistic approaches. But taking care of our mind has a very very essential connection with our bodies. Physical unwellness, and what I mean physical instead of mental health, I'm talking about maybe those external features that you can see or internal things that are easily identifiable because it's your lungs, it's your heart, it's your liver, it's your spleen, it's it's something that somebody can put a one-to-one -one basis on, whereas when it comes to your mental health, for a lot of folks, because we don't normalize conversations on mental health, it can seem really complex and abstract to talk about mental health unwellness. So we want to make sure that we're sort of trying to merge those conversations into the same prioritization and it's the same topic. Mental health clinicians should hold the same regard as primary care physicians. 
they should not, an LCPC, a social worker, a guidance counselor, someone who is going to be extensively trained, even up to the doctorate level, to a PhD level, to address and manage your mental health, should not be thought of as something that's reactive only when someone reaches a mental health crisis. They should be thought of in the same way that we think of going to a primary care physician or a dentist for a checkup. Whether you have any particular medical concerns or not, you just go as a precautionary and preemptive checkup. Now, that's a long road to get to that level, but this is all part of Hope for the Day's work and trying to normalize mental health conversations because that's a big feature, a big strategy point of getting normalized and proactive, right? So Team Thrive and Breathe for Hope are two projects that are trying to drive home that connection between the fact that our mental health and our physical health are part of the same continuum. It's all one thing. And as we talk in light of recent activism and actions around systemic racism, one of the big things that we should not ignore is that if you're going out and protesting or you're being engaged, whether it's being engaged with COVID media or the, the heightened visibility of interactions and hostility and volatility with police riots and, and just general violence in America, these things are deeply emotionally intensive and ways to address your mental health that are powerful tools for your well-being. Of course, talking and self-expression of that level, you know, clinical supports, but powerful tools are also physical activities. So today we wanted to talk about two, two projects that hopefully they spearheaded in that, in that intersection. So I thank you all for joining us tonight. Um, we're going to be first talking about Breathe for Hope, which utilizes a, uh, techniques from yoga to create a more, a more mental health-centric uh, focus. And we're going to be letting our two program leads on that share a little more insight into it. So I don't want to give too much away. So first, let's make sure we can see and hear our program leaders, Nicole and Brittany. So first, I'm going to bring on Brittany here. Brittany, can we see you? Can we hear you? And let's make sure we can hear you. Hi, Brittany. Hi. Thank you so much for joining us. Sorry, my dog. Oh, never apologize for a dog. There's almost a rule. I don't know if you can get the dog on camera, but that'd be great too. But <laughs> uh, And then Nicole, can we see you? Can we hear you? Hi, Nicole. Thank you so much for joining us, Nicole and Brittany. Um, so before we get into talking about the details of Breathe for Hope, let's first introduce uh, our audience to you two. So let's start with um, Brittany. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your your personal and professional background as much as you feel comfortable. Um, and then we'll talk about how we got involved with Breathe. All right. Hi, everyone. My name is Britt Kaplan. I'm in Chicago. And um, I am a special education teacher. And um, we can go more into it in a little bit. But basically, what started this initiative was um, I attended a yoga teacher training that was very different than the typical yoga teacher training, and we'll get into that also, um, called Breathe for Change. And I also knew about Hope for the Day and Sip of Hope, and I'm just so excited to get this initiative going. And I do want to start by saying thank you so much to you, Carl, and Mike, and Rick, and everybody, Sarah, um, at 
hope for the day and sip of hope. Like I'm, I'm so grateful for this opportunity and to make this impact in the community. Well, thank you for joining us and appreciate that. Uh, and Nicole, tell us a little bit about yourself. Hi, um, I'm Nicole. And um, along with Britt, I am a special education teacher in Chicago. Um, I'm on my 10th year of teaching, so it's not my first rodeo here. Um, I, as well, how Britt and I met was through this uh, teacher training called Breathe for Change that she had talked about. And we kind of had this connection that started this idea, and it was like this little idea and then it started building and building and we we created this program that I think could really support a lot of people and I'm looking forward to exploring that and going from there. Wonderful. So just for our audience, um, one of the most interesting things with Hope of the Day is that we do have a little bit of a sort of an open source sort of approach and that we have a great in-house team, but we're always looking to try and empower individuals as surrogates to carry the work forward in different sorts of ways, different interests. And when Brett and Nicole came to us, uh, and we connected at SIP actually to talk about this, um, you know, there's a lot of ideas around the concepts of using yoga with mental health, it's instinctual, it's natural. I think it's, it's a, there's an, a certain obvious one-to-one connection with the idea of anything that can be meditative and anything that can be physically active are all great avenues. Um, but when we first connected, there was something that you were talking about in our initial contact that made this sound a little different. And we're always interested in trying to create platforms for individuals to take initiatives and, and do something that's unique uh, in the mental health space. And we were very interested in that, um, trying to see whether it was gonna be something where we could even just wacky hosting it inside of Sip of Hope. Um, and we realized, you know, that <laughs> we may not have the floor space to do it, but we have this great partnership with the Chicago Public Library and in continuing to try and pro- provide things that have a low barrier and easy access for our mm-hmm. communities that stay consistent. Um, but I got to tell you, you know, what you explained from what you learned about the program was a lot different than initially I was walking into thinking about like yoga. I was like, okay, it's going to be yoga. And you're, if you're, if a certification for training, cool, that's us being responsible if we, if we look to back this. So I think what would be really important for everyone to hear is, um, However, both of you want to do this, why don't you walk us through what is Breathe for Hope? What is, you know, because it's, see, this sounds pejorative if I say it's not just yoga, as if that's dismissive of the concept or disrespectful of the concept of yoga. But what is, you know, what was Breathe for Change slash what what did you envision and what have you put together for Breathe for Hope? Why don't you walk us through that? Yeah. Um, Britt, is it okay if I start? Okay. Um, So... Breathe for Change is a very different approach to a teacher training um, that is geared towards uh, whether they're working in a school or in a, an office or in a different program that's providing services um, to a specific community. And upon walking in, 
um, it was very intensive. It was 21 straight days, um, eight to eight. And it initially when I had walked in, um, I have always had a kind of a love hate relationship with getting into yoga. My journey has been, um, I'm assuming very similar to how a lot of people view where it's very, um, intimidating to walk into a yoga class and realize, am I, am I welcome here? Do I, I, I don't look like this person or I, I, I can't move my legs like this. And it can seem very intimidating. So there had been times in my past where I'd walked into a class and then turned around and walked out because I just didn't feel very comfortable. And I realized that, you know, my story is very similar to a lot of other stories in trying to figure out kind of what their journey would look like through yoga and through mindfulness. And upon walking in to Breathe for Change, um, of course, I like was outside pacing back and forth, like, I can't do this, I gotta go. It's just going to be the same thing. And I just don't want to put myself through that. And I walked in and it was the most diverse group of people. We had six instructors that were from all walks of life that had different journeys on how they got involved in yoga and their stories. And it's, you know, upon walking in, they asked like, what pronouns would you like, do, do, do you want? And it very much felt comforting. And for those 21 days, we had this this comfort and these learning from different voices and hearing their stories and listening to them. And I have been trying to find that space again in different studios and in different programs. And I have yet to be able to find that feeling again that was cultivated there of this honesty and authenticity. And Britt and I decided if we can't find it, let's create it. Let's create a space that anyone can walk into no matter what level you're at and explore it and see what, see what it is and how it, it can help you. So I'll come over to you, Britt, if you want to add to that. Sure. Going off of that, um, you know, my journey with yoga, I can go on and on about that, but um, long story short, you know, I was involved with it and I saw how much it changed and helped my life. And, um, you know, I practice mindfulness and yoga with my students and I know other people, family and friends that have done it and seen such a positive impact. I made connections. Like I became good friends with some of my teachers, my yoga teachers, and kind of heard their stories. Um, I had done a boot camp. Um, it was through Core Power, and a lot of the people in that boot camp were either going through teacher training or ended up going to teacher training. And I've always wanted to take a teacher training, but it's just the time and the money, and it just never worked out. And, um, I kept getting ads for, um, breathe for change. And I just, I feel like, um, it was meant to be that I saw that I clicked on it. It was a time in my life that, um, I had a, a struggle throughout the year with my students. Um, it was a tough year when we did that. And so I think 
that community that Nicole's talking about, it was so nice to, not everybody was a teacher, but they were in the realm of education and um, to be with like-minded people that kind of felt the same way. A lot of us, you know, um, have kind of a certain personality type where it's giving a lot to a lot of other people before taking time for ourselves first. And I, and without going into personal stories, um, that was overwhelmingly popular (laughs) in, in this space. And so to be able to share that with other people and to hear their feedback and to just work through focusing on ourselves, um, it was special and I knew going into it was going to be life changing. And it really was um, in many different ways. And the way that the program worked, it really focused on social emotional learning. And you're talking about like, that's, it sounded different than a typical, you know, yoga teacher training. It really was. Um, And it was really geared towards facilitating that those talks about mental health and working through that, on your own and then doing it with your students or whoever in your community. So there were three kind of phases that we went through. It was transformation of self and then transformation of relationships and then transformation of community. And so we kind of worked our way up to how we can integrate it to our communities and making sure that our cups are full first before we are our best selves to help other people. And that's kind of where Nicole and I came up with this idea because there was a, there were breakout groups and um, there was a mental health breakout group and we gravitated towards that and knew that whatever it was, we wanted to be involved with um, giving that back to the community, um, what we learned. And I'm so thankful that Nicole heard of Sip of Hope too. <laughs> I just threw it out there. My like, favorite hey. coffee shop. And I was, we got super excited. Like it's my favorite too. And, um, it's, it's special to me. And so we bonded over that and, um, and then we brought it to you. And then it just seemed like the stars aligned. Like when I brought it to you, you're like, Oh yeah, we had thought about it. And, you know, we kind of started that conversation and it just, I'm so happy that it, it worked out. (laughs) See, thank you for for elaborating further. That's that's. I think it's important for people to 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 hear that. You know, when we put together projects at Hope for the Day and back any sorts of initiatives, there, there's not really a um, a overnight process to these things. Mm-hmm. Uh, there can be trial and error. There was a, there can be stop and starts, but it's really about when you open the door to bringing folks into a conversation about mental health, given the way stigma works, given the way um, being in a space where it's going to be okay not to be okay, but more importantly, uh, behind that statement is the reality that, okay, we're going to talk about mental health. And for a lot of people, whether it's walking into Sip of Hope or walking into our education experiences that we've done, or even just walking up to us at a concert in our outreach actions when we could be out interact with people (laughs) um people can find themselves i shouldn't say triggered but rather find themselves tripwired over the fact that talking about mental health in a general public setting becomes intensive and scary even if the the individual is not necessarily touching on a particularly painful experience 
um, just the experience of being able to know mental health has its own sort of releasing, sort of emancipating sort of intensity to it. And what we see from Breathe for Hope is an opportunity to further empower both, particularly YouTube, uh, to help facilitate empowering others to make a space that's safe to bring the connection with mental health into this sort of physical interaction. Um, there's, for people can think it can get really messy when we talk about sort of physical, physical wellness and mental health. And as my preamble in the start of all this, it's very complicated to drive people towards making the connection that mental health and physical health are all one. But some really tangible ways that people may not be able to initially appreciate unless it's directly impacting you are things like, you know, you might be able to appreciate that if people experience physical injuries, okay, or have suffered a, um, a medical malady that maybe has caused the loss of mobility, um, amputations, uh, or they experience a, a, a genetic-linked physical condition which limits or controls their ability, their mobility, um, whether it's from the legs or um, use of hands or it's something that maybe impacts the um, digestive system or the lungs in such a way that you know, they may have to find themselves chained to being, you know, people who might experience IBS or Crohn's disease, you know, people who might experience respiratory complications, uh, all these types of things that create all these different sorts of uh, secondary considerations that other folks may not ever think about. You know, if you are wheelchair bound or, or have other sorts of walking uh, assistive devices, breathing devices, so on and so forth, um, those impacts directly affect your mental health okay mm -hmm. they can create depressive symptoms they can create anxieties they can create a lot a lot a lot of different things that make it hard uh that impact your thoughts feelings and emotions and people might be able to appreciate that um there's other things that come in too the, the correlation between untreated and undertreated mental health challenges like trauma for instance and ptsd and the physical deviations that that can play you know um People who have uh, any spectrum of eating disorders, there's people who can develop eating disorders because of a response to a traumatic event. There's people who have eating disorders free and clear of it being a response to a traumatic event, but have been built. There are other things that come into play because they've developed or, or um, are living with an eating disorder. Uh, that, again, brings back into the mental health, and that has a obviously eating disorders have a major effect on the body. So mm -hmm. those are very visible and tangible ways people might be able to appreciate it. But the fact is, is that inactivity, just, you know, when we think about living with quarantine, inactivity and people are like, oh, sure, that can affect my mental health. But no, really, seriously, you need to remember something. Um, the language may be a wash to you when we talk about body, body chemicals and producing, you know, adrenaline and serotonin and all these kind of things. But inactivity, especially if you find yourself going through certain day-to-day -day rhythms um, in, a, in the pre-pandemic era, and having those taken away can be a way of dramatically impacting your quality of life and mental health because mm -hmm. you've, you've shrunk that activity. Um, 
and there's there is no different life experience that's going on that doesn't have a correlation between your mental health. So anything in your physical realm obviously can link to it. So you've taken the time and worked with us, you know, really for the last coming in now that we're in June, this has really been about seven months of, of a birthing process as we go to piloting. And we were hoping, you know, we did, we technically did have a cold, like a soft opening experience at, at the Hope of the Day headquarters. Yeah. For, Johnny you know, did it. Yeah, so we had, <laughs> we had a soft opening. But with what we're going to achieve, we're going to talk about the events in a, in a, in a minute, the upcoming dates. But what, what do you want people to think about or to expect uh, should they join us when we announce the education dates in a few minutes here? What do you want that experience to be for folks? Because we're obviously going to do it digitally. You know, this right. can't stop us. But what do you hope for folks to sort of you know, if they're like, well, I'm interested, but what, 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 what can they expect? So um, I'll let Nicole elaborate um, after I'm done, but I did want to hit on some of the points that you were talking about because I feel like people are now becoming more aware of mindfulness and, and exploring the different aspects of yoga. Like yoga is not just asana, the physical practice. And I think, I mean, you know, personally, I think what's even more challenging is the creating that space to have that mindfulness practice, because then you can integrate it into your life, your daily life, um, whether it's sitting in traffic, stress from work, home life, whatever it is, it's, you know, when you practice that, you can integrate it. And it takes around 21 days to form a habit. And, you know, I think for kind of what Nicole was talking about, how people have this view on yoga sometimes where it's like, I don't look like that person. I don't know if I can, you know, hold those poses or do inversions where you're balancing and, you know, standing on your head. And I still can't you know, I don't, do I don't have like the, those fancy yoga clothes. Like it's, that's not, you know, it's breaking down those barriers of like, that stigma, I guess, like what people think of it and really taking that time for yourself and listening to your mind and your body um, and what it needs. And another thing to keep in mind too is um, I've heard this and I also feel like I've experienced it too. Something that might feel mo the most uncomfortable for you is what you need the most. So whether it's a yoga pose or whether it's a certain mantra that you're saying to yourself for your day or an intention, whatever it is, um, that typically is what you need the most. <laughs> and um, we really wanted to create this space, safe space for people to come and show up however they need to show up and really enforce that it's okay not to be okay. And if you want to just come and sit and listen and not participate. You can sleep. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that actually would be nice because then you're so relaxed that. Like if you, know? you need a space to just sleep and turn off noise, like we are here for you. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, just to, to create that and to know you're not alone. Like whether it's you don't do the the physical part of it, or practice the mindfulness that we're talking about and you just participate in the conversation after. Or um, you can somehow make a connection with somebody else who's, you know, coming into the group. Um, and just really 
honing in on yourself and that self-care and self-love and um, knowing that you don't need to fit this this mold that people think. Well, yeah. I think that, oh, I'm sorry, sorry, go on, Nicole. No, 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 go ahead, first. <laughs> oh, no, I was, I was going to pivot over to talking about um, the dates. But, oh, uh, okay. Um, well, I just wanted, can I just throw something out there? Yes, please do. <laughs> um, I have this this uh, saying that I always say to myself, and I, I repeat it when I, I am creating a, a space for mindfulness for my students or for the class that I teach to my teachers at, at school um, that are saying, I can't do yoga. I can't meditate. Um, and I always come back to, if you can breathe, you can you can meditate. If you can breathe, you can do yoga because that is at, at the, the heart of what yoga is. I believe, um, I think as, you know, our Westernized world, we've taken yoga and commercialized it. And I think this class, the goal is to bring it back to the intention of what this is for. It is to take time for yourself to cultivate compassion for yourself and give yourself grace in a world that is constantly telling you to be quiet, to, to not speak up, to not say how you are feeling. And I think that this class will enable it en enabled for me. And I hope that it would do the same for others. Um, a moment to create that compassion for yourself, because once you are cultivating that, you are able then to bring it out to your community. You are able to, if you are going to teach, if you are going to lead, if you are going to protest, you know, you, in order to step up and fight for something, like you have to have that compassion within yourself in order to give that to your community. And I think that this class is a space where no matter what walk of life you come from, um, it is a safe space where whatever it is called for you, do that and take that with you so that when you are walking out in the community, you can pass that on to somebody else. Yeah. That's, that's such an excellent way of sort of, you know, further encapsulating it because we, you know, as I sort of alluded to before, but I don't want to sort of mince words on it. Um, the, Hopefully he's not getting into the yoga business, as it were. Um, we simply see this presentation, Breathe for Hope, as another avenue or vehicle to give people an opportunity to get in touch with their mental health, to access conversations and experiences that help bring a fully rounded, a fully rounded connection with self-care and Learn to be proactive because for some folks who are connected in our audience, they're able to make that connection to a mental health conversation through music, pop punk, through mm -hmm. metal, country rap, hip hop. When we talk about other things that we're doing, you know, Sip of Hope as a coffee shop is both a flagship example of outreach and bringing that conversation together because over a cup of coffee, you can have a connection in a conversation. But when we talk about Breathe for Hope and Team Thrive, which is going to be uh, the latter half of this, this episode, 
these are creating other avenues where people are naturally already existing. Um, our founder, Johnny Boucher, always likes to say we meet people where they are, not where they expect them to be. In fact, this is that there are probably people who've been practicing in things around the yoga world for a long mm-hmm. time who they may appreciate or respect. There's a mental health wellness component in a vague sense, but this is a place for now us meeting that community where they are and trying to access. And if you're new to yoga, too, please come join the Hope of the Day. Yes. But we're trying to access in the same way that Team Drive works to do that through other physical experiences, whether it's running or weightlifting, CrossFit or BMX biking or, you know, or anything along the lines of anything you call physical, pro wrestling, you know, whatever counts. So um, let's highlight how people can experience Breathe for Hope. Um, right now, there's one big date I want everyone who's listening right now or in uh, future days to sort of circle on your calendar. And that is Saturday, June 27th is the inaugural full program experience. It's going to be at 1.30 CST, Central Standard Time. That's June uh, June. 27th uh, at 1.30 Central Standard Time. And the way that you can find that is by going to purevention.org. We will be listing it in the chat on YouTube. Um, it's the place where you, you go to find all of our education events. It's purevention.org. You can see it on our Facebook. We'll be promoting it through Instagram and, and Twitter and all that good stuff. But that's June 27th at 1.30 CST after our um, Instagram, our Instagram live Saturday morning tunes, which is run through Civil Hope. And if you wanted to catch a small micro preview of Breathe for Hope, join us this Saturday at uh, 10 a.m. on Sip of Hope's Instagram for Saturday morning tunes which, uh, pardon me, 11 a.m., that's 11 a.m. on Sip of Hope's Instagram uh, for Saturday Morning Tunes, where uh, Britt and Nicole will be doing a small demo during the programming. Um, Britt, uh, yeah. I wanted to throw it back to you, you know, before we move over to Team Five stuff, I wanted to just turn it back to you both. Uh, Britt, did you want to sort of toss in some... Yeah, I wanted to um, go off of what you were just saying. You know, I just want to reiterate that really what we want to do is create that non-judgmental space. And so um, that we were we were in conversation over the past few days just talking about what everything's going to look like virtually. And Nicole made a really good point that like if you do feel intimidated or have these, you know, uneasy thoughts about, you know what, I might want to do yoga or mindfulness, but I'm not sure how to get started or I don't feel the most comfortable. Like this actually might be the best space for you to do it from your home, the comfort of your own home. Start virtually. Turn on. Yeah. You don't even have to turn on your video or your sound. Um, You can choose. So it's however, again, however you want to show up. And so we just want to really encourage people to give it a shot and to try it. And, um, and yeah, just that it's, it's a non-judgmental space for, 
for you to be yourself. That's that's I'm so glad that you doubled down on that because um yeah, I mean we obviously tried to want to impart that, you know, everyone's invited to the party, hope for the day party. But um yeah, just to double, triple, quadruple down, this is it doesn't regardless of your experience, background, or anything, that this is come one, come all. And um Nicole, did you have anything else you wanted to add in? Um uh... I think I'm just I'm very grateful that this is we are starting to explore this and opening up this door um I am excited and I hope that everyone will come join us so I'm not talking to an empty zoom room even though I'll be okay with that but you know come out and have some fun and relax with us and breathe for hope. <laughs> oh, perfect. <laughs> so again, and again, we'll be promoting, we'll be putting out further promotions, but just for this part, uh, June 27th, one mm-hmm. thirty central standard time. It'll be a zoom, uh, ran by, you know, posted for over the day, but you can find the RSVP at purevention.org. That's purevention.org. Uh, Nicole and Britt, thank you so much for joining us. And why don't you uh, keep chilling as we introduce our next guest um, and talk about what's going down in Team Thrive. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you, ladies. Appreciate it. Um, so Breathe for Hope is a precise extension of one of Hope for the Day's longer-running programs to bring the proactive conversation into as many communities organically as possible, meaning that we try to champion surrogates who want to bring this conversation into their spaces that they already occupy. And one of those programs is called Team Thrive, which was initially created by um, a friend of the Hope for the Day family, a, a partner in prevention named Dan Haas, who was a very, very active triathlete and and endurance competitor and just a brilliant human being who um, unfortunately uh, passed away, actually doing what he loves, but passed away um, from an unexpected accident with a snake bite uh, while he was out hiking uh, in Colorado. And over the years, as we had been building this concept of the Team Thrive, Dan had wanted this project to be something where he had found balance and um, positive impact on his mental health through endurance sports. He wanted to sort of celebrate that connection others had, not just in endurance sports, but in all sorts of different physical activities. Uh, And he's the one who coined the name Team Thrive and in his honor, um, we wanted to keep the project going, uh, but weren't really sure how to do it because Dan had committed so many hours and so much strategy time, as I alluded to with Nicole and Britt. Um, we don't just turn out projects well. Uh, and if you're looking on the screen right now, Dan is, uh, that's an image of Dan. Uh, some of the photo work we were doing as we're 
building this and had built a friendship in life with. And then there was Ivan. She has worked with us in Hope of the Day over the last few years to bring the program all the way to its full realization, uh, picking up where all the legwork Dan had left off with. And now Team Thrive is, is fully ran and overseen in support with the Hope of the Day team and its project lead, Sarah Moss. And so I want to introduce everyone. Um, I believe Sarah might have been on the podcast, audio podcast before, but this is definitely her first live stream experience with us. And we're going to be talking about an initiative that Team Thrive is running right now, uh, or going to be running through the summer. So let's first make sure we have Sarah on video and can hear her. Hello, Sarah. Hello. Hi, Sarah. Hi, guys. Great to see you. Thank you for joining us. So Team Thrive has been in existence, and we've dabbled around in a number of different projects and a number of different actions. And uh, fortunately, says unfortunately, one of our biggest flagship experiences with Team Thrive was going to be that this year, Hope for the Day, finally, after a number of different application trial and errors, got selected to be an official uh, charity for the, the Bank of America Chicago Marathon. And um, you naturally get to field a team that's going to go out and run the race, and they're going to go raise funds for you. And we were all very excited and around that project. And Sarah uh, obviously was right there, step-by-step, step, taking the lead in, in building this project and helping um, assemble the team. And with the pandemic being what it is, you know, we can always cross our fingers, but we, we sort of accepted the reality. You know, we looked at in, in Chicago, there's a big 5K or maybe it's a 10K called the Big Ten. Yeah. 10K? 10K? Yeah, it's the 10K. Um, and they shifted that entirely digital. So they're encouraging folks to do it from a safe, you know, quarantined or, or, or socially distanced space in their own community. Um, but the fun doesn't stop. And Team 5, if you go on to... Uh, the Team 5 Facebook page, which you can get to from Hope of the Day's main Facebook page. You'll see it's one of our sub-pages that we run. There's lots of activities going on and lots of conversations going on and, and different sorts of ways people want to get involved. But um, we've been very careful as to launch very specific official projects. The Chicago Marathon thing was one of the first big things. But working with Sarah, we were, we were sort of thinking also as a response to, you know, okay, the pandemic has hit and there's a sort of collective burden that has dramatically impacted people's physical output in a lot of different ways. And Sarah's brilliance, um, she started sort of cranking away and brainstorming on, well, what's a way that we could get people involved and encouraged that's, it's not just, as, it's not just, hey, everyone join us for like a, um, you know, we, we were not able to run our one mile race the whole mile this year in Logan, uh, in um, Humble Park, uh, neighborhood of Chicago. But we didn't want to just do like a digital one mile run. We, you know, we kind of felt like that's, maybe that's putting a lot on people to everyone join us that one single day and be there. And, you know, there was a lot of engineering that it, we, we didn't feel like it was appropriate to ask all of our different, the businesses and people, partners in prevention to join us. And when everyone's just sort of trying to make sure that their businesses and their their families are <laughs> staying safe. But 
we were like, well, so what's an activity or what's something that we can put together that does support mental health and does support the initiatives of Team Thrive? So Sarah, you came up with the brilliant idea of the It Only Takes One Pledge. And so, you know, before we get into that a little bit, uh, for our audience who may not be familiar with the other way, why don't you sort of you know, sort of reintroduce yourself a little bit uh, to the live stream of the community? <laughs> sure. Well, first of all, thank you, Carl, and the Hope for the Day family for having us on, and Nicole and Brittany. I'm excited. <laughs> I'm excited to sign up. So count me in. I'm, I'm really looking forward to this breathing exercise. Like, it's not an exercise, but breathing session, I guess you can say. So anyways, with Team for the Team Thrive, you know, Carl, you had a great introduction. Um, we definitely can't talk Team Thrive without talking about Dan Haas and who started this whole thing. And him and I had talked many, many times of, um, you know, Dan battled depression and bipolar, and he really did give endurance sports um, big credit for, you know, his keeping him active and keeping him going with his mental health aspect. And it was, it was a big part. And, you know, you talked about earlier, there is a lot of research out there about the connection between physical health and mental health. And there's even a lot, not a lot, but there, I know there's a couple countries over in Europe that will actually prescribe someone that is battling depression and exercise regimen before they prescribe them with um, an antidepressant, depending on the severity and obviously the, the individual itself. So there is a lot of scientific research behind the whole physical connection, connection and the mental health connection for physical activity. So it's, it's pretty fascinating. And um, so I met Dan when we were actually living here in the South Loop. We just randomly lived on the same floor. We both were going to work and we got in the elevator together and he was like, how's your morning going? I was like, it's great. I just got done with a 25-mile bike ride. He's like, so did I. And then we just instantly became best friends. Um, long story short, we really connected through the triathlon world and whatnot. And so over the many, many t years, um, we started training together and doing sports or doing races. We traveled all over doing races. Um, he just became a really good friend of mine, and not only for races, but obviously on a personal level as well. And that's where we really just clicked. And, you know, I knew his passion and his love behind the whole physical, uh, physical activity and mental health activity. And, you know, Carl mentioned that, unfortunately, he passed away, but doing what he loved to do. I knew I had to carry on that legacy. Like somebody had to, like, this was just definitely something bigger. And it's proven over the, the years, a couple of years ago, I went and got my running coach certification out in DC and the weekend that I was out there, you know, they were going around and asking people why they were getting their running coach certifications and whatnot. And I brought up team thrive and hope for the day and whatnot. And I was not shocked, but I was happy to see how many people came forward and was like, thank you for what you're doing. You know, one lady told me about her husband who had battled depression really badly and he started exercising and became a different person. So there's so much around it. And, you know, we've talked about it a lot of times with the Hope for the Day family. It, you don't have to be the crazy endurance athletes like Dan and I were. I mean, you don't have to go and do an Ironman to get that, you know, to benefit from exercise. It's you can do the breathing, you could do yoga, you could do um, CrossFit. I mean, there's anything, walks, um, 
you know, personally, I'm not, you know, I'll share a personal story over the last, you know, Carl, you mentioned about the pandemic and everything that's going on right now. It is, it's extremely hard for a lot of people. And I, the first five weeks I did really well. I was my edge. I'll get um, my shout out to my gym that I go to edge athlete lounge here in Chicago. They're awesome. First five weeks or so we had a 30 day challenge. I was doing awesome. I was like, I'm determined not to have the COVID-19, like the whole nine yards. And then there was just a couple things that just, it was like one bad news after the bad news after bad news. And I went a couple of weeks just in a big, big funk. And there was like, I almost went five days without working out. And a good friend of mine, she was like, how long do you bike for? And I was like, oh, about an hour during the week, a couple hours on the weekends. She was like, try 20 minutes at a time. It's like, fine. <laughs> so, and I did, and it made a huge difference. And so with that being said, you don't need to go run 20 miles. You don't need to go and, you know, bike a hundred miles or whatever the case may be. Start somewhere. And, you know, it only takes one with this whole initiative that we're going to, you know, roll out starting this weekend, our summer initiative. It takes one, you know, whether it's one minute, one mile, one, whatever, it just takes a little bit of effort to see to see the difference. And then before you know it, you can have a thousand miles done by the end of the summer. I mean, don't, don't pull me on that, but you know what I mean? So that's a little bit about the whole, you know, Team Thrive is about celebrating the connection between physical health and mental health and in so many different ways, but it definitely makes a big difference. So I could ramble on more, but I don't know how much more you want me to ramble on. No, 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 that's not a ramble on. That's absolutely, absolutely critical. Um, I think back, back history for folks to be able to appreciate. Um, team, team Five is a, is a sort of a, um, a sort of nebulous thing because just as we were talking about with Breathe for Hope, um, it really is trying to both embrace but educate and inform. And for folks who already sort of knew, like, yes, I needed this thing, and I'm talking about physical activity now, to be part of my life, for those folks, that's one thing, but for folks who maybe like had a part of their life that they consider integral, that's wrapped around a sort of physical activity, and they never really validated that, you know what, this actually is part of my stability, my, my, my completeness, my sense of, of finding a healthy out, um, expression of, uh, you know, self-expression, uh, that, that's a big part of of Team Vibe is just trying to raise the visibility of these connections because, you know, it's easy to say things like, well, you know, improving your body chemistry through physical health, you know, and sometimes people misuse physical activity and mental health where people who mean well, when they talk to someone who might be, because we have such a little understanding of what depression is and how it functions, for instance, you always see this around people who, are being combative, uh, being challenged by clinical depression or depressive episodes, which are two make separation because there's different things that can happen out there. Um, but you'll see the response of like, well, you know what? Why don't you go for a run? You know, you know, positive and eat healthy, and that'll help your mental health. And like, you know, someone who might be going through uh, living with clinical depression or going through a depressive state. Um, the idea of physically going out and being active is 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 a Herculean effort. I mean, it may not be plausible. Uh, 
is there a value to being physically active? Yeah, but you're being insensitive to the reality of someone's personal experience. What might be a more realistic thing is like, hey, you know, transferring from bed to couch is a good look, you know? And if that's what you can muster today, that's a victory. And we don't mean that in, in like a very soft way. Like um, people don't give themselves enough credit. This is true for all things mental health and probably all things physical, but people do not give themselves enough credit for the perseverance it takes to sometimes endure and, and maintain and move like from one day to the next under intensive duress with mental health challenges. And the thing like the pandemic in the beginning could have been that way, but it could still be that way right now. You could still find yourself deeply impacted and unsure. And whether it's because you have job instabilities and things like that, or, you know, maybe all those things are in check, but you still have this sense of dread or something of apprehension. What does that have to do with physical activity? Everything. I mean, because if there were, again, Physical activity can be an outlet for you. It can be an option to move forward because you can't move in other directions. You can't go social socialize with individuals. So trying to find some sort of physical thing to occupy your hands, your body, your mind can create a new outlet for you. Or because of our current realities, a physical outlet may have been taken from you or, or limited and marginalized. And we still would want to deeply encourage you to find a way around it, a workaround. You know, it won't be as true as the real thing, but we don't want you to minimize, like, oh, it's no big deal. It might be a big deal. So prioritize it and find a way. These are different options. So what is, you know, Team 5 doesn't have a limit. Um, but when we talk about that it only takes one pledge, what is what is that all about, really? Sure. You know, and... And to go back, you know, I think we had talked about like baby steps and stuff during those couple weeks where I was definitely not as motivated because whether it's races being canceled, a lot of us in the endurance, you know, community, we love challenges. We love goals. We love having something to chase to. And when races upon races are getting canceled and there is no so so-called goal, we, we do start losing that hope. So with that being said, you know, I was finding myself actually going for more walks than runs. So, and that's just something that, and those walks helped me tremendously. And so that's just something to think about also when, you know, you, you have those setbacks and you don't have that motivation or that goal or whatever the case may be. So with that being said though, so that's kind of selfishly in a roundabout way. That's why I created this whole summer initiative. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's, so we're going to kick it off this Saturday is the first day of summer. And what it's going to do is it takes one pledge is take a pledge to be physically engaged this summer, you know, be engaged with the Team Thrive community um, and just, you know, whatever a case may be. So what we're going to do is roll out ways that you can track your on a weekly basis, track your activities. And we're going to break it down to the hours that you did. And then because we know not everybody's going to run, bike, um, some of our people outside of Chicago can probably swim right now, but we're still looking for those open pools and it's a little cold to get in Lake Michigan right now. So swimming is going to be a little hard for some of us. Um, but so we'll have the hours of activities that you can log. 
the number of walk and run miles, and then the number of wheel miles. And wheels can be anything from a bicycle to a skateboard to rollerblades to a wheelchair to whatever your wheel, to shoes with the wheels. Do they still make those? Like, <laughs> are you ever talking about Heelys? <laughs> we'll have to figure out what that. That might be a gray area. What, what if that's run or wheel miles? I don't know. So, but at the end of the day, at the end of the eleven weeks, I would love to kind of just show. You know, we'll build that community. We'll have the um, Facebook, the Team Thrive Facebook page up and running, and so that everybody can talk about their good days, bad days, help people get motivated to get out you know, whatever the case may be, but just really bringing the Team Thrive community together during this pandemic summer. And because nobody's ever gone through something like this, you know, events are being canceled or a lot of things are being canceled. So, you know, be creative of whatever the case may be, running with a kite, I, you know, something, just something fun. Um, you know, and, and just see how many miles we can rack up at the by the end of the summer through la- or by Labor Day. You know, and then we'll have the, you know, encourage, you know, for the fundraising pledge, make a pledge to yourself that I'm going to do, you know, pay myself a dollar for every mile I do and pay your, you know, fundraise. We're going to have a platform where you can create a fundraising page for hope for the day and make a pledge, you know, see if you can get your friends and family, your colleagues, whomever to say, all right, I will donate a dollar for every mile that you do or a quarter or a nickel or, you know, whatever the case may be. Just to, you know, give a little bit back to Hope for the Day because the mission that Hope for the Day is, it's very, very important, especially during a time time like this. And I know we're all hurting, but they, they, we, they need, we need them and they need us, if that makes sense. So that kind of gives us the run through. We'll have a lot more details out on the Facebook page um, tomorrow and like a tracking list that you can, you know, utilize yourself and all that good stuff. Um, but it's just building a community and see how many miles we can get and how many dollars we can get over to hope for the day. Uh, and thank you very much for uh, sort of articulating that. It only takes one pledge is, a, is an excellent opportunity for to sort of merge two you know salient tools, which is taking care of yourself and sort of keeping yourself a focus. And you know, hope for the day is always always looking for dynamic ways. To, to support a proactive prevention because for those who are aware or may not be aware, we're always striving to ensure that we provide our ongoing mental health education programming with the lowest amount of barriers possible uh, for access, which means the more support we have from the public, the more support we're able to uh, ensure that we're not charging or or presenting costs uh, onto school spaces and different communities, especially when money is such a barrier for a lot of folks. So um, the bigger message though, with it only takes one pledge, the bigger focus of course is to ensure getting you involved in a sort of creative way to join our community uh, and you know, use maybe discover or use an existing passion for physical activity um, for a direct positive outcome. And Sarah, you've been such an amazing like surrogate and champion with the work we've been doing um, and some of the initiatives you've helped lead, and obviously as we continue to grow, you know, we're so honored on behalf of Over the Day to, to have you involved. And Britt and Nicole, you know, you're, you're kind of uh, your new entries into the team, <laughs> uh, you know, and we're really excited uh, to um, 
we're really excited to, to see you all join us and, and take your first steps uh, as volunteer surrogates, building on a program that, you know, it, these are all leaps of faith in a way that the harder we work at them, the more they become enshrined and, and get to a place like Team Thrive is. So just to, to remind everyone, there's going to be the It Only Takes One Pledge. You're going to see more and more information about that in hopefully today's official social media. Um, as we roll it out, there's sort of like a, we always have like a soft opening for things um, to get people involved initially. And then as we push out to the broader audience, you'll see more graphics and things like that. And um, before I sort of wind down for the night, I wanted to sort of give everyone an opportunity if they had any sort of closing thoughts just in general about life, uh, whether it's Breathe for Hope or Team Thrive or just maybe some imparting words. Uh, we'll hopefully be having you all on in upcoming episodes. I know that um, Team Thrive, we're going to be trying to do some updates um, to, to talk about the ongoing progress with the pledge and some other things we have planned. Um, but, you know, just so people understand as a quick review, the Italy Takes One Pledge will be going live this Saturday with bigger, wider announcements uh, no later than July 1st. Breathe for Hope as an official program, which remember is a completely free RSVP uh, as all Hope of the Day educational um, experiences are, whether it's in person or in this case, digitally. Um, our team you know, dedicates their time either by volunteer or otherwise. And Breathe for Hope's initial inaugural experience will be Saturday, June 27th at 1.30 p.m. Central Standard Time. You can find all the information by following Hope for the Day social media or going to purevention.org to RSVP. And there will be an initial preview on June 20th, this Saturday. If you join the Sip of Hope Instagram, it will be going live at 11 a.m. this Saturday with Saturday Morning Tunes, hosted by Mike Vinopel. And Britt and Nicole will be leading a breathe demo, a little, a little, a little, a little moosh boosh <laughs> of what to expect. Um, so that's a way to catch catch a little sampler of it. So with that, um, why don't we? Uh, I'm gonna just pass pass it around to each of you. If you had some closing thoughts, uh, starting with Nicole. Yeah. Got <laughs> <laughs> it, girl. Um, I just, I just, I want to. Thank you, Carl, for creating this space so that we could have these conversations and unveil these ideas and initiatives. Um, I am, I'm hoping that you will and other people will join Saturday for the Saturday morning tunes. Um, I would like, we would like to lead in a couple like breathing exercises that one of my personal favorites is called the warrior breath. And I think in the current environment that we are in right now. Um, we, we have to be warriors, whether we are unlearning things and, or standing up. Um, I think it's important to cultivate that strength so that we are able to continue to do the work that needs to be done. So um, I'm hoping that you can kind of get that little preview on Saturday. And then hopefully uh, the following week, you'll, you know, Come on, come hang with us. Let's cultivate some strength and let's 
let's uh, keep using our voices. Thank you, Nicole. Mm -hmm. And uh, Britt? Thanks, Nicole. Um, so to echo what Nicole was saying, um, and got, kind of going off of the warrior theme and what Carl was saying, you know, what came to my mind listening to you, Carl, and uh, what I've thought before is, so I personally, I struggle with autoimmune disorders, and it's called silent warriors. Like, you know, you might not see a physical ailment, but it's going on inside somebody and you just, you don't know what people are going through. And so that totally relates to everything we've talked about. And, you know, your, your mental and physical health are completely connected. They say, you know, your gut is your second brain. Um, and just really taking, I hope that people that are watching this and, um, maybe log on and watch it at a later date um, can just take really take what we're saying into consideration and try to get in tune with yourself and know that you can reach out and you can go to everything that Hope for the Day is doing and Sip of Hope, the resources that are provided and reach out to your friends and family. Maybe encourage them to experience this together. Family that stretches together. Oh, <laughs> uh, thank you so much for saying that. The, the silent warrior is going to be on our quote wall. Um, and Sarah. Yes. Thank you again, Carl, for this space and everybody else listening and hanging on this long, listening to us. So thank you. And pass on the message. You know, this, this summer initiative that we're rolling out is open to everybody. It's free. It's not anything that you have to fundraise for. It's just to build the community. You know, I, I mentioned um, my gym earlier, but also I've been doing some personal training sessions with a local guy here in Chicago, Michael Moody. It's been beyond phenomenal and has helped me a lot over the last few weeks. But I had made a comment once that I was like, summer 2020 is canceled. He's like, no, it's not. It's like, you know what? You're right. We just have to find the new fun. Like we have to create our own new fun. And that's what I'm really, you know, thriving on for this summer and this year. It's like, you know, this year hasn't been canceled. So it's, it's finding our fun, being creative, going out there, being active. Um, and we'll, we'll get through. And one last thing that I have to say is thank you to our marathon team, our Chicago marathon team. They have been awesome so far. Um, you know, this is our first year. They've been very patient with us running our first year program and whatnot. So I have to give them a big shout out as well and thank them for being patient with us as we're, we're learning and they've been our kind of our guinea pigs in a, in a roundabout way. So, and just thank you guys for this space and for all you guys do at Hope for the Day. And happy Father's Day to all of those fathers out there this weekend. <laughs> oh yeah, that's cool. Um, you know, and actually I'm going to put you on the spot one more time because yeah, as we're closing out, Part of this conversation is part of the ongoing one that has been enhanced recently by protests and recent light of activism as well. Um, and as I talked about in the preamble, you know, talking intersectionally and trying to raise the visibility of mental health in different community experiences, including the black experience and people of color's experience. Um, one of the things we were focused on was talking about like, what, what does better look like if we're trying to move away from from systems that historically have been, you know, infused with the sort of systemic racism uh, and things like that. But 
it's important to say, well, this is jacked up and this is messed up and this is wrong and we want X, Y, and Z to end. But what do we think better looks like? And I kind of wanted to put you on the spot real quick and just sort of prompt you. When I talk about what does better look like, that could be one little segment of society uh, or it can be a sort of grandiose thing. But when we talk about what does better look like, it's on the prompt of this idea that if we're dissolving and moving away from, uh, when we talk about systemic racism, I distill it down to taking prejudice and bigotry and enshrining it into policies and laws. And the point of it is to minimize and create barriers of access for individuals. And in the American system, that has been for black folks and they haven't always been alone in the excluded section. But, you know, what is a system that has spent a lot of time being exclusive and, and favored and, and scaled towards servicing only certain segments of the population? Anyone want to share maybe what, what an element of what better might look like? Because this isn't just a question I'm asking to people who identify as African-American or black folks or people of color. You know, um, I'm, trying to, I'm just generally asking everyone and we're asking the whole over the day community. So I don't feel comfortable throwing out a thought or two. Sure. Yeah. You know, it's, there were so many different thoughts that came to my mind, but I think the, the strongest is, you know, having that open mind and respecting people for who they are, but to, a, I'm going to say to a certain extent, but that's probably not good, but having that open mind and respecting, but also for me is celebrating those small victories because we do have a long way to go in the Black Lives Matter movement, the all the different things that are going on right now. We have a long way to go, but there are small changes happening. So celebrating those small victories and realizing we are making progress in the right direction and having that hope because it can get pretty overwhelming out there. So celebrating the small things. Yeah. Can I, can I jump in? Oh. <laughs> um, I have been doing a lot of, of learning and unlearning the last couple of, of weeks and what my role is in a lot of systems. And I have been like trying to figure out kind of what this program would look like and how I could use this platform as a way to amplify voices that are marginalized and, and, and not heard. And trying to figure out ways, um, the three of the instructors in our yoga teacher training were three, three very strong black women that I look up to. And I have been watching them and learning from them as they are telling their stories of what yoga has been like for them and the spaces that they have not been welcomed into and really just sitting back and like listening to what they're saying so that I can figure out how I can break down and create a space that all voices, I can give a platform to all voices where all bodies are welcome. So I've just been really kind of sitting back and listening to them and their stories and figuring out how I can be, I guess that's kind of what my better looks like and kind of the steps that I'm taking right now and figuring out how I can amplify those voices in a community where they felt left out. 
Great, thank you. Uh, and Britt, did you maybe want to? Yeah. <clears throat> so Nicole said it beautifully, and um, you know what comes to mind. This this isn't really my story to to share, but the gist of it is um, I've talked to instructors of color, and they have expressed their difficulty in the system and and being successful and creating their business and just the, the struggles they've been through. And it just makes me feel sad and upset and just so many different things. And I feel like it's it's hard to kind of articulate everything that is going on in my mind about just the world um, because I feel like I want to do it justice and whatever I say isn't going to do it justice, but it's important to like what we talk about, start the conversations, learn, do your research. Like it's no one's job to educate you. You need to go and do that work um, and come together as a community. Um, and another thing that's really important is that we focus on is speaking your truth. And just trying to do that how you feel you can. Um, being a part of that, doing your research, and, and act, taking action and seeing change. Thank you. I appreciate it. I put you all on the spot, and sometimes <laughs> people can feel uncomfortable with it, but, you know, that's also part of the, the point of it, too. <laughs> but, so it should, uh, that, that is the point, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Um, so thank you very much for joining me tonight. Uh, I just want to give a big thank you to Britt, Nicole, and Sarah. Breathe for Hope, Team Thrive, and all the work that you're both, all three of you have been putting in. I can't thank you enough. Um, hopefully we'll be checking in with you all, and best of luck on your inaugural breathing. Uh, we'll be checking in probably in the next couple of weeks on ongoing progress with more dates. So Sounds good. I hope all of you have a great night. Thank you very much. Thank you, Carl. Thank you. We appreciate it. Bye-bye. And uh, so we're going to be wrapping up our uh, episode tonight, talking about a few reminders. Uh, the inaugural full Breathe for Hope class, which is totally free, will be available Saturday, June 27th at 1.30 p.m. Central Standard Time. Uh, the Team Thrive, it only takes one pledge, will be going live um, before July 1st. Stay tuned to Hope for the Day uh, social media for further announcements on that. And last, I just want to close on, um, we initially were actually going to have this episode uh, at the end of May, right before what would have been the Humboldt Mile, which was slated for June 6th, obviously was canceled because of the pandemic. And we pushed back those episodes to sort of retrofit um, the where do we go from here and what does better look like episodes that I felt it was more appropriate to do in the context of the growing uprising and protests centered around George Floyd's murder and to create space to talk about Black Lives Matter and systemic racism in a more direct way than just our classic, we're always talking intersectional mental health throughout the lifespan of Conversations Cafe. Closing out tonight though, why I um, 
wanted to bring Team Thrive and Breathe for Hope back on, it's important for all of you watching right now or listening in later days to remember is that there's no going back to regularly scheduled programming. This was something we had scheduled, but this does not represent um, going back to something. And in Conversation Cafe and Hope for the Days sense, we never were in a place that was silent about talking about institutional deficiencies around mental health and racism, even though America and maybe even the globe to an extent is talking about inequity, especially along racial lines, uh, at a heightened pace right now. And um, why I bring that up at this very moment is for you all to understand that the conversation should never ever be justified just by whether there's a protest going on each weekend or not. Um, when Trez, our, one of our guests last week, talked about there's moments and movements, movements are an ongoing and sustainable, and a lot of the whole Black Lives Matter, as an organization and as a, as a hashtag in a movement, ebbed and flowed with the, with the sort of ongoing perception, procession of deaths of unarmed black men by law enforcement from 2013 forward, that there would be a death, there would be a sort of uptick of protests and, and action for a weekend or two, and then it would sort of go back to regularly scheduled programming. And there is a watershed moment here as of May 25th that's very different from the past. And it feels like this is a conversation that sticks because the conversation is no longer one group of people trying to explain there is in fact systemic racism and then another sort of pushback crowd saying, is there racism? But moving to confront that and looking for a world that evolves beyond that, one of the central things you need to take home with you is the fact that the conversation doesn't end if there isn't a physical protest every single weekend. The movement now is to, as our guests talked about, in their what better looks like is educating themselves. That's an important part of this. Education is an important part for people who feel like um, they aren't directly impacted in the way someone who might be a person of color would say they're impacted. By saying you need to learn and unlearn things, if that's the category you put yourself into, that's something that you should not let be measured just by how visible um, actions on the street are. You should take it as a call to action for you from this point forward and make sure you're taking the initiative. For instance, tomorrow is June 19th and it's Juneteenth day. And maybe this is the first year in life that you're even aware that there's such a thing called Juneteenth. And if you don't even know what Juneteenth is, it's a very interesting moment in which in 1865, after the end of the Civil War, um, there were still people, because you know there's no internet or Twitter or whatever, there were still places like Texas in which slavery was still actively going on despite the ratification of the 13th Amendment and the Emancipation Proclamation of 1862. Uh, there were still slaveholders maintaining slaves and the slaves themselves were not even aware that they were freed peer persons because the news just hadn't hit in the more remote places like Galveston, Texas. So in Galveston, Texas in 1865, um, a Union Army general actually had to go to the city and basically you know, read out the orders in the paper and people discover, oh, wait, we're free. You know, even though we're human beings and treated like chattel, treated like animals, treated, you know, asked to 
sweat and labor and die, you know, to make profit for some other human being, um, this is to be no more. And it wasn't an overnight success. The proclamation was right, but there were slaveholders who still tried to maintain slaves and slaves who, people who had been slaves who were trying to escape in that initial 1865 year were murdered and, and captured and, and um, still held in chains for quite some time. But in the years afterwards, the date June 19th, 1865 became celebrated as a sort of full recognition of the emancipation and end of slavery that the 13th Amendment guaranteed um, constitutionally. And there were celebrations throughout the early 1800s, but Juneteenth kind of, kind of faded away as a concept in the early 20th century civil rights movement. And when you get to about the 1940s and 1950s, folks weren't really interested in celebrating the end of slavery because they still felt because of Jim Crow laws, segregation laws and practices, it didn't make sense to celebrate the end of slavery when it felt like there had been one form of social exclusion and oppression replaced by another less official, but still official form of repression and exclusion. Just, you know, one step below human slavery. Um, but as civil rights legislation was passed in the early 1960s, Juneteenth became reappropriated to, yes, celebrate the end of slavery, but it also became an opportunity for African Americans to celebrate black culture in America. It became an opportunity that wasn't just confined to February African American, you know, history month, Black History Month and all that, that kind of stuff. Uh, it became an, uh, an opportunity to use the moment that was created in 1865 um, by the reading of this, this document. Uh, it became a moment to celebrate Black culture. And by the time you get to the 1970s forward in different pockets around America, people began to use Juneteenth as, a, as, a, as an expression of celebrating Black American culture and also reflection on the, the ongoing process of, of, of fighting for equality and fighting for access. That just because, you know, it had been made illegal to say that a drinking sign for whites and coloreds only was illegal did not mean that the fight was over because when people talk about systemic racism, the overt stuff is just one layer. There's also social conditioning and, and other practices and bylaws. And so I bring all that up right now because when we brought in Team Thrive and talking about Breathe for Hope, there's a lot of people out there who are taking to the streets, who are finding themselves engaged in social media and different ways to create awareness and mindfulness about topics that have always impacted their lives or maybe you know, especially if you identify as a white American, maybe you never realized how much it impacted your lives. And these things can be so intensive that as I talked about in the beginning of the episode, it's really important that as we're learning to try and advance ourselves and advance and change society, building in spaces for you to actively engage in taking care of your mental health is also a big evolution because we as a society, we as communities and cultures have not prioritized creating spaces to take care of our mental health. And we as communities have not educated individuals peer to peer on what does taking care of our mental health look like? 
um, getting sleep is important and having a healthy diet is important, but it's also being able to embrace forms of self-expression because how we communicate our thoughts, feelings, and emotions is done through that, is done through not just talking, it's not just through singing, but it's crying and it's anger and it's happiness, but it's also doing things that give us a sense of, of ability and completion. Because if you think of your mind like a bottle of soda, it can build up with pressure uh, and, and become so overwhelming that it disrupts your quality of life. And part of mental health care is creating valves to let that pressure build up out. Because any sort of adversity can build up pressure. It can come from your genetics. It can come from traumatic experiences that you're going through on a day-to-day basis. And pandemic is traumatic and it's a pressure build. And systemic racism is traumatic and it's a pressure build. And going to a protest, even if it's a positive and safe and healthy one in which there isn't sort of any sort of instigated riots, it can still be a huge psychological burden to have all those powerful emotions around you. So we want to continue to make sure we're keeping visible conversations that have really taken the forefront in America for good reasons and rightfully so. And we also, as a mental health and suicide prevention organization, want to make sure we're still doing our job of raising the visibility of tools and resources for you to access and take care of your own mental health in a proactive way. So there's a, it might seem like that's a, a complicated balance, but it really isn't. We at Hover the Day think it's perfectly natural to always be talking about social factors that dictate and impact how we express ourselves and interact while continuing to showcase and, and promote and talk about the programming that we produce to connect our community. And I hope that that's what you're able to take away tonight. Um, in closing, we're going to be sharing uh, some small videos we produced. And remember, check in for all our educational output offerings at purevention.org. And again, I want to thank Britt, Nicole, and Sarah, our great guests tonight. Breathe for Hope, Team Thrive. You can check all that out on Hope of the Day's uh, website and social media. And I want to thank uh, the co-producers of Conversations Cafe, Mike Vinopal, Rick Kozowski, and Vicky Sisnet. Uh, the show cannot happen without them. I am your host, Carl Evans, and this has been Conversations Cafe. Thank you very much for joining us tonight, and you all take care of yourselves. Thank you so very much for joining us this week. We hope you had as good a time listening as we had recording the interview. Don't forget to check out anthologiesofhope.com backslash playlist for all the awesome songs that will get added each week. You can find us on social media at Anthologies of Hope on Facebook and Instagram and Anthologies Pod on Twitter. It would be great if you could subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or Google and leave us a review. As always, remember... Everyone has a story, and it's about time we start listening. Podcast Network, visit us online at oxchicago.com.